morning, dear listeners, and welcome to Sante Magazine's Tasting Room. Good morning. Good morning, Emiliano. What are you drinking? This morning, I'm having a nice cup of joe. Aha! It's a big change of pace, I guess, because it's morning. <laughs> I guess because it is. <laughs> and what kind of coffee are you having? This morning, we are enjoying a bank square coffee from Nicaragua, Segovia. And uh, it's a very nice coffee. It has some, according to the notes here, it says milk chocolate and hints of lemon. I, th- I like the fact that it's mild. What do you think? I think it's very smooth, very... Yeah, it's mild, but it has a nice little... And I like to make my coffee with a pour-over, so mm-hmm. it pours nicely, mm-hmm. so, so sort of, uh, it, it reduces a lot of the acids. Uh-huh. It's, quite, uh, quite it's important to, to share our love of coffee, because coffee is as important as our wine and spirits. For it our... is, and the restaurants and people in general <laughs> enjoy coffee a lot, um, and the, a lot of restaurants don't pay as much attention to it. And as we know, Jake Leonte has a column on Sante Magazine about, about coffee every every month, mm-hmm. and um, we, everybody should enjoy it because it really does talk about how restaurants and restaurateurs can, can improve their coffee delivery. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. What else do we have going on? So this morning we're going to do something a little bit differently, right? We are. We're going to just uh, talk about a few things, uh, mm-hmm. just to give you a little taste since it is a tasting room, mm-hmm. and then we're, go- then we're going to have an interview. Wonderful. And uh, so, so, so just, just to give you a little taste of uh, what's happening in, in Sante this month, this is October, uh, October 2023. It's, it's amazing that we're getting to, we're in the last quarter of the month, of the year already. Mm-hmm. So tell me, uh, Sandra, what, uh, what uh, are we going to talk about? Well, I think one interesting phenomenon are robots in the restaurant. I, I, as you know, I'm I'm into robots. Yeah, you <laughs> in, are in AI. So uh, it so is tell us what, a little bit, a little tasting of what do restaurants, how do restaurants utilize robots? Well, what's interesting is that uh, the, the article we have from Ashland is mostly about robots uh, in Japan, but they're all over the world now. Now, and the, and robots are being used uh, as waiters. They're being used to uh, prepare meals. They're being used to um, give people advice. So they're all, it's, all, it's all over the place. And of yeah. course, AI is very big now. Right. And, um, and I think we're going to see more. But I think one of the big issues is, you know, are robots going to take over? Are robots going to take away your job? Yeah. And that is what people are worried about. Yeah. What, what do you think? Well, that's up for debate. I don't <laughs> think they will completely, no. I think people like that personal touch, especially when you go to a restaurant or when you want something a little bit more personal. Yeah, I think, think I think a good restaurant will, um, you know, the restaurant that's thinking about it is going to just have the robots or the AI right. uh, to to enhance their ability to to, to serve better. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, you know, we don't need a person busting uh, the tables. You know, right. If a robot there can do it, there you could have a robot. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but you want to have uh, a waiter or waitress who has knowledge and can actually talk to people and, and, and right. maybe and Charisma is important, right? Someone who's very hospitable. That leads into our own. And yes, we have our own uh, robot, Wine Guru. You train Wine Guru with the producer's wines, and um, she can pair food and wine. That is her main purpose, to pair food and wine. So you could, you could ask her which wine goes better with a particular product, and she can, or, you know, with a particular uh, recipe, particular food, 
and, and, and she'll rec recommend a particular varietal or a, uh, maybe even a year. And definitely, she'll, if, if your wine is in the Wine Guru database, mm -hmm. she'll recommend your particular wine if you're mm -hmm. a wine producer. Yeah. And does she have a personality? She is very sassy and mm -hmm. has a, does have a personality mm -hmm. and a face. So we've, mm -hmm. we've tried to make her as personal and, and interesting as possible. Mm -hmm. So that is what one girl does. She comes up with some doozy answers, right? We have seen. <laughs> She's a... and, and if you follow us on social media, you will see some of our, of our conversations with, with uh, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you'll enjoy uh, what you see. So Charlotte is going to be in different uh, stores and obviously online, so she's going to be all over the place, and we'll be able to, um, and in fact in stores what we're going to do is we're going to have uh, a poster with a QR code, and the mm -hmm. QR code will take you directly to Charlotte, and this way uh, people can, in the store, everybody has a cell phone these days, so mm -hmm. in the store they can ask questions like, okay, I'm trying to shop here, what, what do I buy, what, which, which, uh, Right, what pairs well with my salmon for my guests that are coming over tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or with Brilliant. my charcuterie. <laughs> so. Brilliant. And what else What else can you there's quickly a, tease our audience with? Well, there's a, I, I thought there was a fascinating news item about Uncle Nearest. And Uncle Nearest is a whiskey company in Tennessee. And what I find fascinating about uh, Uncle Nearest is that, um, first of all, it's a woman-owned business, mm -hmm. uh, and, and who has, you know, a woman of color. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. A woman of color who um, has literally one of the largest, uh, fastest growing um, uh, whiskey, whiskey companies in America, maybe the fastest, and they just purchased the largest area, geographic area of cognac as well. So uh, this is a very unique situation. That's fascinating, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the company Uncle Nearest was, is based on the story of, uh, of, of Nearest, who was a slave at one time. Mm -hmm. and, and that was through Jack... Daniels. And he became the distiller. I believe he was the distiller mm -hmm. for Jack Daniels. Mm -hmm. he, became, he, he, he was the distiller that, that eventually became Jack Daniels. So there's very little known about him, but, um, but through Uncle Nearest, we're learning a lot about, uh, about, uh, him, about him. And um, Uncle Nearest won a number of uh, Sante Magazine competition awards, uh, gold and silvers. And they are—they put quite a lineup of, of mm -hmm. wonderful products that, that that we have also been, been mm -hmm. sipping. So, so I, th I thought that was that was fascinating. Um, so, we have an interview coming up, mm -hmm. and the interview is with Patrick Durbin. Uh, he's from Seabird. He's the founder of C and, and CEO of Seabird, who uh, also is a recipient of gold medals at the Sante Wine and Spirits competition. He is. Uh, Seabird is a wonderful company. They are also trying to, uh, the reason they, they named the company Seabird is because uh, a lot of their efforts are towards saving seabirds. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, they, they, and now they're, no, they're expanding. They're, they're doing a lot, a lot in the industry. So if you, um, if you just stay, stay tuned, stay, don't go away, mm -hmm. and, you, and you're going to hear our interview with, uh, with, Patrick. Pa with Patrick Durbin. But before we get to the interview, let's not forget that uh, you can also read all of our articles. We have probably about a, a more than a dozen articles this mm -hmm. month at Sante Magazine, which is at santemagazine.com. It's free. You can subscribe. Yeah, yeah if you, can, you can subscribe, and please do subscribe to our email newsletter. The, the newsletter, you can, you can choose to, have, to receive it every day. You can choose to receive it once a week mm -hmm. or even just once a month. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be inundated with emails from us. Mm -hmm. But we'll give you the option. But, right. Yeah, but at least you get to see what we have. And every month we have new content. So we've been doing this now for quite a while. 
uh, we and we have new content every single and month. Similarly, you can share your podcast with your like-minded friends who are please, interested please in this do. <laughs> wonderful business. <laughs> we need um, more um, exposure, and in and in, in you are our best uh, our, our best fans. So please mm-hmm. uh, share this with share this podcast and share the, the magazine with your friends, so that we can continue giving you this wonderful high-end content. Right, and I think the exciting part is that we have many interviews lined up with people in the industry. Yes, we have another one coming up this month, actually, so we're not going to reveal it yet, right. but we will come up with another one this month. Yeah. And now, uh, let's, uh, we will let you go, and we can, we're going to start with an interview with uh, Patrick Durbin. Wonderful. We're delighted to have Patrick Durbin with us today. He is the founder and winemaker of Seabird Wines in California. So we're happy, delighted to have you here, and we have some questions to ask you. Sandra and Emilio, thanks for having me. Very excited well, to be here. Uh, welcome. You've won, uh, I believe, three gold awards with uh, with uh, Sante Magazine this year. And super. Believe- it was staggering. Super exciting. <laughs> and we see you we, out there. You have other, yeah, and you have other awards that you've won too. We're looking at your your website, and we're. Yeah, I think we've um, in uh, nine vintages now. We've won more than a hundred gold medals or or uh, platinum. Um, you know, many many ninety plus point ratings. Yeah, it's been a good run. That's it great. is. How yeah. how how long? How old is the is the company? Yeah, our first vintage was two thousand eleven. Uh, ten, so ten about twelve years ago, thirteenth vintage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. And uh, we were interested in asking you about uh, your philanthropic uh, activities. I know that you're very much involved with that. So, uh, so, t- so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we wanted to do when Becky, my wife, and I got into the wine business is not only did we want to make a great wine, uh, work with great people and great vines to be able to do that. Um, we also wanted to be able to do something to help the environment and Seabird obviously being the name of this brand really reflects our passion for the ocean and the marine coastal habitats. Um, so we said, as we started to make money in, in the wine business that we would invest that many back into the communities, uh, international, um, bird rescue is one of the organizations we support. Marine Mammal Stranding Center out on the East Coast. We do a number of, of fairly small grants each year and then some gifts in kind of, of seabird wines to help various uh, charity activities um, that serve the coastline and, and the animals that inhabit it. Interesting. That is. And so before you became a winemaker, were you involved at all in this type of industry? No, uh, not at all. Um, my whole career has been in the biopharmaceutical and healthcare mm-hmm. diagnostic space. Um, and it really wasn't until about 10 years ago that uh, I went to UC Davis and got my certificate in enology, um, sort of way after my BS in biology and philosophy and MBAs and that sort of stuff. So this is really my second career. Yeah. Um, and, and it's really been super exciting. Yeah. So you're having fun. <laughs> Every day. That's great. And we're talking about the, the, are you planning to add different grape varieties to? Yeah, we, we experiment with, with different varietals. Um, we Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm -hmm. Um, we're, we are looking right now at, um, some properties in Argentina and in Slovenia, and we're looking to add 
uh, Malbec, which was a passion of mine uh, er early in my career when I discovered wine. Malbec was one of the first wines that I ever fell in love with. Mm. Uh, and it happened to be an Argentine Malbec. Um, so, so we're looking at adding a couple of different varieties. My wife would love to see us make a Zinfandel, uh, California's grape. And, um, you know, I, I guess that love is going to turn into hate if I don't get on that pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> I learned recently that the Pavlik Mali, the grape variety of Croatia, is mm -hmm. the original Zinfandel. That's the belief. Um, you know, they're still genetically proving things so like this. And, and I, you know, it's, it's highly likely. Interesting. Yeah. Um, what is your, what is your favorite? Uh, my, my favorite is free, but, but, you know, any kind of free wine is, is a good one. <laughs> for me. But, but no, I, I, I would, um, I like Cabernet Sauvignon a lot. Um, I, I really like Pinot Noir, but it's such a challenging grape to make great wine with, um, you know, they call it the heart, heartbreak grape for a reason. And, uh, but it, but an elegant, a well-made Pinot Noir is just stunning in the in the glass. But there's so many different varieties. I the problem I have is uh, you know I, I wouldn't mind trying to make them all. Uh, there's just no way to to have the time and, and yeah. capacity to do that. Yeah. yeah. So on the, as a follow up to the varietals, uh, are you interested um, in are you are you about to introduce any new brands in your? Uh, yeah, so so the Durban Family Wines, which is the, the company that owns Seabird, will be coming out with our own um, uh, proprietor, proprietary blends of Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa. And then we intend on expanding that. We have another brand that we're, we're going to launch in a couple of years, and I'm sure we'll come back to Sante to talk about that um, as that comes together, maybe from South America there. So um, right now it's, it's uh, Seabird Wines, and we're very happy that Seabird will continue to focus on coastal uh, varieties, so Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and, and Coastal Cabernet Sauvignons. And then Durban Family Wines is going to focus more on proprietor reserve reds from, from Napa. Fascinating. And how uh, many people are in your company, in your business? Well, we, uh, we share our winery. Um, we are a limited partnership, so there's, there's uh, several different folks, but there's about 20 people on staff that we share across uh, several different brands and, and varietals. And um, just a world-class team educated at Cal Poly and uh, from Chile and, and uh, UC Davis and, and obviously the School of Hard Knocks and making great wine across Napa and Sonoma. Mm -hmm. yeah, excellent. I know that you work with uh, grower partners. Um, yes. And um, we're wondering how um, does that impact your ability to produce a quality wine? Well, again, and this is actually how most wines are produced around the world. It's the grower vineyard, you know, the vineyard winery or winemaker partnership. Um, a lot of times wine growers are not necessarily the best winemakers and winemakers are usually not the best farmers. Um, there are exceptions. Obviously, there's estate wineries out there where that grow and you know produce their own grapes and their own wines. But the vast majority of the wines produced around the world work through that partnership. And what allows us to do is really access ultra premium locations that uh, the viticulturalist, the, the, um, the vineyard management team uh, are exceptional at growing spectacular grapes. And then we work at taking those spectacular grapes and making sure they express themselves into being a spectacular wine. Yeah. So we, we like the flexibility. It allows us to go down to the Santa Rita Hills, for example, and, and make a great Chardonnay from there or 
or to head to some of the exclusive properties in, in Napa and, and to be able to, to produce uh, small batch uh, ultra premium Cabernet Sauvignon. So we like the flexibility of, of, of not being tied to our own vineyard. There's some there's some trade-offs that you make for that, but but overall it's it's a it's it works really well for us. Are you able to move from one vineyard to another relatively easily? So for example, yeah, like climate change yeah. affects one vineyard. Exactly. And and you know, it really depends on the contracts that we have and and you know whether they're a single year or multi vintage contracts and mm -hmm. and the tonnage involved and and the yields that come given a particular year. Um, but but we intentionally build a lot of flexibility into our model that allows us to pick the very best uh, grapes and, and, and varietals that we're interested in. So do you have another question uh, on, on your list? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just curious about your whole mission to protect and preserve the natural habitat of marine animals. I was reading from your website. Do yep. you have other such missions, other goals that you're- Well, one of the other things, you know, we're working on a couple other things right now. And obviously no one company, no one group of people, small group of people are, are gonna transform and preserve our our ecosystems, whether they're marine habitats or other things. What we're trying to do is draw the attention to the fact that you know we are absolutely dependent on healthy oceans and healthy marine habitats. Two thirds of the world's uh, natural life comes from the estuaries that touch the Atlantic Ocean. That that is a staggering number, mm -hmm. but we don't think about it every day. Right. So we really look at what we're trying to do is educate during our tastings. We talk a little bit about what our mission is and encourage people to get engaged and involved in their way uh, to make a difference in marine habitats or other habitats or environments that they're passionate about. One of the other projects we're looking at right now is on the oyster side, but my wife and I have always loved good oysters, uh, but the oyster beds have been absolutely decimated uh, across uh, the Atlantic coast, certainly, and, and, and much of the Pacific. And there are a number of different activities from um, the Maritimes in Canada down through um, the, the Carolinas looking at rebuilding the oyster reefs that can provide us some protection um, during what, what is likely to be more uh, intense hurricanes in the years and decades ahead mm -hmm. uh, and sort of protect the coastlines in a natural way like they used to 200 years ago. So we're, we're looking at getting involved in, in some, some oyster bed projects uh, and we'll have more to talk about that in, in the coming months. I love that. Just recently, we were following. There's a uh, similar-minded person who Lewis Pugh. He swam yes. the river. Yes. Did you right? Emilio introduced me virtually. Um, yes. Oh, okay. So it just reminds me of the whole similar idea, right? To protect oh. the rivers, protect the oceans, and just being proactive and and making. We don't have to make. If everybody does a little bit, amazing yep. things will happen. You, you know, and it, yeah. that's really what we're trying to encourage people to do. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. I love that. Yeah. The, the, we had a seminar at, the, at one of the last um, Santi symposiums a few years ago about the pairing oysters with wine. And mm. uh, it was an excellent, one of the best seminars that I've ever attended. And it certainly changed my perspective of, of, of oysters and how, and how influenced they are by terroir, just like wine is. Yeah, we call it meroir. And, uh, yeah, it is. It's Miroir and, and it's, it's, it is very real. No, listen, we, we've, we enjoy um, Sante magazine a lot and, and, and um, the, you know, the, the feedback we get from our consumers about um, the reviews that we've received. And as the, we communicate these gold medals 
um, there, people are impressed with the magazine and the coverage and the detail. And when they start exploring the website and, and picking up more of the details, people are like, wow, you know, this is for people that are not in the trade, right? The trade knows mm -hmm. Sante extraordinarily well. But for the typical consumer to pick, a, pick up uh, Sante virtually and say, wow, this is actually super informative and readable for somebody like me as well. And what a, what a fascinating cover of the industry. So we, we're really grateful for that. Well, yeah, thank you. We try to be, uh, we try to reach as many people as possible and, uh, and, and uh, not, not to be so, so industrial as to be too technical, but rather right. be more of a lifestyle and a, a magazine, but also a magazine that, that covers the industry and, uh, and elevates everybody's trends, standards right? and look, at, and look yeah. at the trends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're excited. This this vintage coming out of Napa, the 2023 vintage is is going to be extraordinary. It has been what what people, you know, I'd like to say slow and steady. Mm -hmm. um, this this particular growing season is taking a lot longer. Um, in fact, our Cabernets uh, from the valley floor and some of the mountains aren't going to come in until late October. So, you know, probably three to four weeks behind last year, which was maybe oh. a little bit fast. Um, but uh, the slow and steady, I think the 2023 vintage is going to really be spectacular for the industry. So for, for your readers and followers, it's we'll be looking forward to reviewing them. Yeah. What about, do you do any, or do you have any thoughts about Lake County wines? Yeah. They, I, there's, there's yeah. some, actually, there's, there's lots of good wines coming out of Lake County. Yeah. We learned a lot about the whole region last summer. Yeah. It was a, a seminar that we attended and it was interesting. I was just wondering if you do any any business with those. I, I, I don't uh, I don't because uh, they have yet to build the consumer cachet for ultra premium wines. That's not to say they can't produce ultra premium wines in Lake County because I really do believe they can. Yeah. And, and there's a number of winemakers working on that right now. But for somebody like me, that's a relatively small production mm -hmm. uh, business that doesn't own a vineyard in Lake County and, yeah. and the tasting room in Lake County, um, it, it has a different cachet today. Mm -hmm. exceptional very good wines mm -hmm. uh and there will be some extraordinary wines from lake county uh but but for me right now probably not the cachet that my consumer would yeah yeah or are any of the vineyards that you uh, draw from uh are they do they have volcanic uh, uh volcanic soil, soil? <laughs> yeah um pretty much all of napa in some way has some degree of volcanic soil um it, it's a loaded question because um, I, I have, there's certain volcanic soils, for example, in our Broken Rock Vineyard and, and in uh, G3, but, but they tend to be more alluvial soils um, that are more, uh, uh, you know, centuries of erosion uh, mm. that have created those soils or have been moved by historically the Napa River centuries and centuries ago. Um, but, but there's, there's definitely volcanic um, components to uh, Broken Rock uh, is, is certainly the Broken Rock Vineyard is probably the the one that would have the most. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it, you know what we look for in the the volcanic soil really what makes it interesting is it doesn't hold water very well, right? So the vines yeah. tend to tend to struggle a little bit, and and that helps produce certain characteristics. You can't taste you know there's people believe you can taste volcanic soil. You, only if you eat the soil can you taste volcanic soil. But yeah. but it but it does really affect the physiology of the vine and and it's it the the dearth of water holding properties of volcanic soil make for some pretty exceptional cabernets and even some chardonnays as well. Really steely bright chardonnays. Yeah. 
it would probably be great for uh, olive oil as well for olives. Yeah, the olive tree. Yeah, uh, I I think most I think of the one... olive trees I've seen in Napa tend to be in the alluvial soil down towards the valley floor, but but it doesn't mean I haven't. They don't exist in in the mountains. I I just can't say that I've seen them there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Good. Bye. We'll have to come visit you. <laughs> love, love, love to have visitors. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, uh, Patrick, for your time and, uh, with, uh, and uh, for your participating with Sante Magazine. We're looking forward to uh, seeing all your new products and, uh, and and more progress. Thanks, Amelia. Thanks, Sandra. Really okay. appreciate your time. Great. Thank you very much. Okay. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. You have been listening to the Sante Tasting Room. Until next time. Avatra Sante. Avatra Sante. Mm-hmm.